Loz and Alex cruise around in a Volkswagen, entertaining their legion of social media fans with pics of themselves sitting by campfires and swimming on deserted beaches. All this whilst running a business turning over a lazy six figures annually. And they've done it all by slowing down. It's a very chill episode 468 of the award-winning Small Business Big Marketing Podcast. Well, I said, welcome to a small business marketing show, where successful small business owners share their souls. To take your marketing straight to the lead, now here's your host, Mr. Timbo Reed. And welcome back to your weekly dose of marketing for sloths. I'm your host, Timbo Reed. you, infinitely more importantly, you're a motivated business owner ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. And that's exactly what we do around here. Plus, feel free to join our free Facebook group to discuss all the learnings and ideas you've picked up from any of the episodes you may have listened to. Just search the Small Business Big Marketing Tribe on Facebook. Big episode today. We catch up with Lauren Williams, aka Loz, and Alex Knorr, who seem to have their dream business well and truly worked out, selling hats from the back of a combi van as they travel around Australia. I let you know about a new podcast I'm launching. Yes, you heard right, a new podcast coming out of these studios. And a highly motivated listener who, thanks to this show, has figured out how to nail his marketing copy. And he wins over a thousand bucks worth of prizes in this week's monster prize draw. As per usual, team, there is marketing G O L D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Hey, be sure to stick around after this interview and I'll tell you about the new podcast I'm launching. It's exciting. I'm excited about it. So hopefully that means you'll be excited about it. It's pretty good. And guess what? It's going to help your business grow. But right now, let's meet a couple who are absolutely smashing it. Speaking of helping or making your business grow, in just three years, ex-mortgage broker Lauren Williams and her product designing boyfriend Alex Knorr have built the online hat empire called Will and Bear from the back seat of their Volkswagen van while touring around Australia. To do so, they've adopted an innovative digital first business model, which has enabled the Will and Bear brand to experience, guess what, triple digit sales growth year on year, three years in a row. Pretty good, huh? They use social media brilliantly, amassing a loyal tribe of hat lovers across Instagram and Facebook. They've got a team that spans the globe and a sustainability initiative that sets them apart from the competition. They also give some pretty good insights into how this generation of millennial business owners sees things. And here's the tip. It's not all about growing an empire. Oops, got that wrong. Notebooks out, team, as they school us on how to start a business and build one in the 21st century. And I started off by asking them how they met. (laughs) On Tinder, actually. (laughs) Really? Yeah. yeah. Just like that. Who swiped right? Well, you, you must have, I'm trying to figure that one out. One of you swiped right. Yeah, I wonder who did it first. We actually have no idea. But oh. it did take me about a month to reply to him. <laughs> like really? 
yeah. Playing hard to get or just kind of thought he's a bit weird? And no, I'll well, you know, in the process of him swiping and saying, hey, I was like, I'm over Tinder. i got to get rid of it. Right. And then I started it back up and I was like, hmm, that guy looks pretty cute. Maybe I should say hey. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Alex, got anything to add to that? You're being very quiet. No, no, I'm just I'm wondering what she was going to say. <laughs> That's good. That's you good. mean you guys live in a van and you haven't had this conversation yet? You must be running out of things to say. <laughs> no. We, oh, there's we, always things to say. We talk about hats quite a lot. No doubt. No doubt. That's why, conversations. That's why we're here. Now, now listen, you, you both escaped the cubicle. One was a mortgage broker, the other a product designer. What, what were That's you thinking right. at the time? Yeah, I mean... For me, I was working freelance design pretty early on in my career. I switched up out of the nine to five pretty early and I kind of got used to that lifestyle. So, And I got sort of working as a freelance designer, I just got to see the back end of lots of different businesses, mm-hmm. which was really nice and got to work with founders and, and marketing managers. And so I got contact with a lot of different people and a lot of businesses and that kind of gave me like a really good insight to how these sort of businesses run. And Loz, you're, you're selling mortgages, so you just you needed to get out. You were bored. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. <laughs> I'd actually been at the bank for 10 years by the time that I'd left and it was very different to what I do now. But like looking back since we started Will & Bear, there's so much of what I learned there that I kind of brought across to Will & Bear business-wise and oh, yeah. I do a lot of the admin and the finance stuff for business. So it did actually help that... Oh, I don't know if I could go back to mortgage. Well, I guess the reality <laughs> is no matter where you are in the world and what, where you're running your business from, some of the, you know, the, the fundamentals are the fundamentals, whether you're sitting yeah, well, in, a, in a mahogany office in a bank or whether you're sitting in the back of a shag pile covered combi van, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I'm sure yeah. it isn't shag pile carpet, but that's the vision I have in my mind. I actually have a soundtrack playing for you guys, which is kind of like Xavier Rudd, follow the sun, kind of maybe a bit of... You know, Angus and Julia. Yeah, that sounds Big jet about plane. Right. Have I got it? Have I got it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good. Good, good. Now, um, the impetus for starting a business together, you guys meet on Tinder, you fall madly in love. Was Where where'd the idea to, to, to go into business together come from? So it was actually like about six months after we met, we went on our first holiday together. And so we went to Tasmania. It was the middle of summer. And I, like, I'd always worn hats and I brought my hat and I noticed that Alex didn't have one and I was like, you need a hat. Like, it's, like, so hot. We're in, the, we're in, a, we're in Tassie. It's going to be too hot to not have one. Was it about 12 degrees, was it? Pardon? <laughs> I said, was it about 12 degrees, a middle of summer Yeah, it was, it was getting over 12. It was getting <laughs> real hot in Tassie. We were, we were living in <laughs> Melbourne at the time, so, yeah. Yes, okay. We, yeah, we weren't used to the, the hot weather. Yeah. No, nothing like Noosa, mate. No, no, I know that. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, Alex, not wearing a hat, you are... You're thinking, hey, we could start a hat company. Well, I actually found it quite difficult to find one that so I couldn't I explored all the brands and I couldn't find the one that I really connected with. What do you what do you mean connected, Alex? Oh, I mean that I mean exploring all the other brands out there. Yeah. So when he was trying like we went to a few different shops and as he was trying them on, it was really obvious that he wasn't really confident to try like, you know, the big ones on. He kind of you could I could tell that he felt a little bit weird even picking the hat up to try it on. Or <laughs> yeah. Like there wasn't, a, there wasn't a brand that we knew or that we felt comfortable with and it was just kind of, I think it was that process that got something ticking in our brain that was like, oh, that's so strange. Like we wear hats. It's like 
you need them in, in Australia. Mm-hmm. Isn't it so strange that we don't know a hat brand that we would go and buy a hat from or that the fact that Alex wasn't really comfortable to even try them on? Mm-hmm. That was where the initial kind of idea came from was like, okay, that's started thinking. We're talking, what, three years ago, 2016. So was the hat market laws back then, I don't know what the market's like, whether it was a, a crowded market? It's not market. a huge market in Australia, to be honest. Um, like there's, there's some, there's, some there's, a, there's a couple of really big brands that have been around forever, but for the younger market, like for the market that we were looking in, it wasn't really, mm. wasn't huge. And there, there was a couple other brands that we found out, we, we found about, um, that were kind of more fashion-based. And, I mean, we wanted a hat for practical reasons, but we didn't want to spend 300 bucks on our first hat because, you know, we we weren't committed hat wearers back, yeah, back yeah. then like we are now. So, so you didn't have any other ideas? You weren't going – you weren't didn't have a big whiteboard and, and trying to brainstorm what business to, can we go into? It was no, hats from no, day one. No, it was just, hey – well, what happened was after we bought the hat because – Alex is a photographer and we both love being outdoors and we bought the hat and we started taking these amazing photos of Tasmania wearing the hat outdoors and we're like, you know what, there should be a brand that connects nature to hats and like encourages people to be outdoors and look after the environment because that's the place you need your hat in. Mm -hmm. So that was where the idea really kind of was cemented. Okay, so you go, let's do a hat business. Uh, you leave your jobs. What do you do first? I mean, Alex, you're a designer. Did you put a few designs down or did you just simply go and buy some hats well, from somewhere? It wasn't It wasn't that simple because we couldn't actually leave our jobs at the start. We were still working full time. I was working almost 12 months in, mm-hmm. still working, to starting the business. And then Loz was still working about six months in. So this is a side hustle. Side hustle, yes. And we had a few other side hustles going. So there was very minimal sleep, lots of coffee. Awesome. What what were your other side hustles, Loz? Uh, So I was doing the mortgage broking and then I was also doing social media marketing. So I had just – so I'd started that for one other brand. Yep. And we started doing it pretty early on for – to kind of test the concept of Will and Bear as well. Mm-hmm. So before we launched, a few things that we did was obviously we started sampling pretty quickly and we like, Alex had a really good idea because we thought Will and Bear like was a great idea, you know, hats, nature, we'll do nice photos and it made sense to us but we wanted to kind of see if someone else, if everyone else liked the idea. So we started a social media account called um, Babes in Hats probably maybe a year out from, no, six months out from launching and we were—I was spending a lot of hours on that every day, kind of testing the photos we want to use, the messaging, if people even wanted to see people in nature with hats. So that took up a lot of time before we launched. As That's well. a great idea. So that is a bit of a testing ground, simply for the yeah. idea. What are yeah, we talking? It just gave us the ability to see what um, photography styles worked, what messaging worked, what worked in terms of growing your account and following easier, engagement, all that sort of stuff. So what our audience would really like. Yeah, and it actually, like, we didn't plan for it, but because we had, you know, six months before the business to, to kind of talk to people, we ended up making a lot of friendships and yes. there's a lot of ambassadors that we work with that we met through that account that are still out frolicking in, like, Will and Bear hats. What did you learn from that six months with Babes in Hats? No, all, we learned to be real. To be real <laughs> yeah, and to, authentic. And to tell a story instead of just putting pretty people in hats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people like the real stuff, which is why we now tell our story from the road and it's the, the whole concept of the brand is like, hey, this is us 
anyone can be part of this brand. It's like yeah. really inclusive. Yeah, I mean that was a big, big thing for us to be an inclusive brand, and I think part authentic storytelling was always a big part of that. I think what we learned really from Babes and Hats also was like who we wanted our our almost brand ambassadors to be. So we worked out a key key market pretty strongly yeah. in photographers and that was what we set out to do once we launched. Yeah. So as soon as we as soon as we launched we sent about maybe about a hundred hats out to our favourite photographers all over the world and we said, look, you don't need to do anything for us. We just want our hats on amazing photographers because that's what we love. And that really helped build um, the story of Will and Bear. Like now it's kind of like a lot of the people that buy our hats are photographers, which means that we get this like epic stream of content that we can share. That's a great idea. So just let me understand that. Uh, in order to launch, you identified your hundred favourite photographers in the world Sent mm-hmm. them a hat. Yeah, and we just sent them all a hat and said, we don't want anything, just want your hat, just want our hats on your heads. And then, of course, they ended up in photos and we're still friends with a lot of them. We've done some trips with some of them and it was, um, yeah, it was really good in the end. What a great idea. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, so, we, I mean, it was really, it seemed natural for us because we're both sort of, we're both very creative and we, we gravitate towards these people. So some of these people were almost our heroes in a sense. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing who you actually, you'd see like a post come through a, a month or two later and you'd be like stoked. You'd yeah. be like, oh, my God. It was so exciting. So, yeah, and as as I said, we're, we're friends with a lot of them now and we're all kind of working together, which is great. Just understanding the logistics of that for others who may want to do, because I'm, I'm a big fan of asking. You know, I think so many small business owners, we don't ask because we're too scared of hearing a no. Well, do you know what? At the start, I was scared. I'm like, oh, my God, we're so small. They're so cool and I had everyone up on a pedestal. But one of the biggest lessons I've learned from social media is like everyone's a person just like us. Like everyone's just a person. Most people are nice. Yes. Well said. Yeah, mm-hmm. no matter how many followers you've got or the, what coolest people are in the photos, everyone's really willing to basically help small business. So yeah, well we said. Too. Just understanding the logistics of the Instagram idea and the, sending the photographers, what did you do? Did you reach out to each of your, your your photographers and say, hey, I want to send you a hat. Can you direct message me your address? Is that kind of the, how simple um, it was? For some of them, but a lot, because I had the idea of doing that pretty early on um, when we started Babes in Hats, I kind of started forming relationships first. So I would, mm. you know, follow them, make sure I was commenting on all of their photos and then I'd start a conversation and like kind of like I wanted to become friends with them, a lot of them as well, like and, you know, talk about their travels and what they do and, you know, what they'd like to get out of things as well. So <clears throat> a lot of them I tried to make a really personal effort with before we launched the brand. So when we launched, it wasn't just completely out of the blue. So there was a lot of time in like relationship building at the start too. That's the classic, um, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, the social media guy out of the States. It's the classic jab, 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 right hook strategy, <laughs> yeah. you know, where you're like... I was just jab, jab, jab. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the right like, hook is the hat. That's yeah. exactly right. So you, you're giving, 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 and then the right hook comes in and goes, hey, we're going to send you a hat. Put a photo yeah. out of it. We really love that. We were, like, it was something that we thought about after we launched of like, Obviously, we, we loved that it was hats because we love hats, but we were really lucky in the fact that we had a product that if you were in a photo and you were wearing it, it was so easy for the hat to be in the photo. Like, you know, you didn't have to take a photo of your foot and it didn't look awkward. Like, hats just naturally are in photos because they're on your head. I had a chat. I mean, it's your product is made for social media. A previous guest a few weeks ago was Victoria Beatty from The Beach People. She's the inventor of the oh, round yes. beach oh, yeah. towel. 
And um, again, just such an – her social media marketing was so easy because everyone wanted to take a photo of themselves on their round beach towel down yep. the beach. And yeah. Had, yeah, they nailed it. Yep, they absolutely nailed they, it. They are smashing it, aren't they? So, this, oh okay, so, so we've tested it. Babes in Hats has worked. Lots of great feedback. You've sent off 100 hats to your top 100 photographers around the world. You're getting some action on social media there. You launch the company and what happens? Nothing. Oh, there's a few crickets. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Love our, a cricket. Our, our family bought a few hats. Oh, one of the best stories of when we started was uh, we had a, a small market in Melbourne and we were like, you know, we weren't, there wasn't much activity online. I was so nervous. I think I, I like couldn't function. I was like, oh my and, God. And, and I made my entire family of like six people in Melbourne <laughs> to come, made them come and then I made three of them buy a hat and, and we, we sold five hats the entire weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and his mum doesn't even wear hats. Love it. Oh, bless her. She bought it for a present for him. Um, yeah. to, you could easily lose hope in that, and clearly not. I mean, it was, it's, a, it's a long game, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I, and we I knew, don't know if we – we didn't really know it was long. We didn't know what to think at yeah, the start. Well, it was kind of like – it was funny because it was – compared to now, it was crickets, but if we got one sale, we were, like, so excited that it mm. didn't feel like crickets. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it was like, oh, my God, someone we don't know <laughs> bought our hat, and it was so crazy. Such a great but, um, feeling. Then it kind of – like, so it probably took – the first year, so we launched in Feb, mm. and then it was kind of ticking along, nothing crazy, and then we started doing um, the Finders Keepers markets. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. Oh, okay, so they're really big markets in Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, and um, we did one of them in October after we launched, so maybe like eight months later, mm-hmm. and that went bananas. Um, it went really good. It was like the, the most hats we've ever sold. What, what do you think you did there, Loz, that you hadn't done elsewhere? Oh, I think they, they've been building that market for years and it's just they've got such an amazing customer, customer base. base that come. Like how many people come to that uh, market? Up to 50,000 over oh, wow. the weekend. Yeah, so I think it was just visibility. Like we didn't yeah. have any visibility, you know, because we were so new. We were doing these tiny little markets. But then all of a sudden all of these people were in front of us and that they could see the product, and we knew that we had a good product. Mm-hmm. So I think it was just like the visibility that we got at that market. Yeah, and good timing. It was spring coming mm. into summer. So, yeah. I mean, and Melbourne was ready for it at the time. So we're and, a small brand with yeah. a good product, and we invested pretty heavily into doing a nice market stall set up after, after our first. Yeah, we got the biggest market stall you can After <laughs> our first yeah. attempt at that small market that I talked about earlier, it was pretty drab, to be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we went again, and we went harder. And we, we did a nice, beautiful setup. So it was like we invested some some money and time into that. And I think it was also like the whole time we were doing those markets, there wasn't once another store that was selling the same hats as us. Nice. So there was there's no one else doing there was no one else doing it, which I think yeah. really helped. At what at what point do you decide to go online and create an e commerce play? Well that was or that was there from the start. Mm-hmm. So that's we, where most of the crickets were. That's where <laughs> that's where most of the crickets. Yeah, right. <laughs> the tumbleweeds were rolling through that part of the business. Yeah. <laughs> no, we we set ourselves up. Like I have done e-commerce sites for clients before, worked on web design as well. So when you said product design, I started in product design mm. and transitioned across more to branding um, and sort of web graphic design. Mm-hmm. Sort of, I just sort of slowly transitioned myself Um so I had a bit of experience in that. I'd set up a WooCommerce store oh, yep. on WordPress and we hadn't 
really got our handle around online advertising at the stage. Mm. So we were kind of just letting – we kind of built this site and it was really nice and beautiful. It was really hard to use on the back end mm-hmm. and actually upload our products and stuff like that. So it was a bit difficult to run for us but we hadn't really – we kind of built it and just left it. Yeah. And then – but then so, so this market happened, summer came around. We – we were we partnered with um, the store and we had a few of our hats in um, a newspaper and we got a bit of publicity there. A newspaper, the age. The age. <laughs> That's a good newspaper to get partnered to get yeah. some exposure in. Well, yeah, the, so the, the, the age started the store um, and then they had uh, – we opened up the paper one day and there was a double-page spread of our one of our photos and we were like, wow. Oh, <laughs> oh, <that's good. laughs> and that's then that good. summer it kind of kicked off and then we started – doing digital digital marketing and started doing a bit more of the storytelling and it started flowing. And then we went and did a trade show and got like, I think within like six months, we got like 50 trade, fifty new retailers and it just kind of started expanding from there. Okay. No more crickets. Yeah, no more crickets. Now, first try at van life, I understand, was a bit of a big failure. So you spent a year establishing yourselves in Byron Bay, is that right? Yeah, so, well, we moved into, we were in Melbourne and we used to travel in our van quite a bit and we decided we wanted to do it full time. But it, we just made the decision and kind of jumped into the van. We didn't think about the logistics of like running the business or having the van set up to be able to run the business well. So it was pretty tough actually. When you say you just decided to hop in, the, you're, you're clearly you, you like to go off on weekends and, and do some yeah. vanning. Um, you're running your business out of Melbourne. You, what did you just think, hey, we'll pack up and – and hit the road. That well, was pretty much it. Well, yeah, and we were travelling a lot for these these bigger markets that we were doing. So they're lot, largely across the east coast. Mm-hmm. So Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane. So we were like, well, okay, it kind of fits with that. So we, we kind of packed everything up, bought a trailer for our van. Carried our hats in the carried back of the trailer. Our, <laughs> carried our stock up and down the east coast for a while. So, But we didn't actually figure out that, you know, being – in a vintage, it was a vintage van, and we didn't realise the complexity of like breakdowns and reliability on like being <laughs> like having deadlines for a market and being on time. Like you know, we just had to work all that stuff out. It became very stressful. So we, so we ended up the the but just before we moved to Byron, we ended up in Melbourne for a trade show, and we were living in the van. It was the middle of winter, and we were sleeping in thermals in <laughs> one of our friends' backyards in our van. And we were kind of like, you know what? We don't have to be anywhere. What are we doing here at the moment? Like, what are we doing with our lives? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we decided to move to Byron and kind of settle for a little bit and work it out. Mm-hmm. And um, what, what did you work, what did you work out in Byron that then allowed you to do what you're doing now, which is you're back on the road running a million dollar hat business? Well. At the start, we were like, okay, cool, we're going to settle down, we're going to get an office, we're going to get full-time employees, we're going to get everything running. And then we went to Africa. Yeah, so we we um, donate to tree planting projects over in Africa. We went to visit them last year. Um, this was mid-setting mid up the business in Byron. Mm-hmm. So we thought, like, we got to Byron, we, like, thought we had to get an office. We thought we had to do all the things that we saw every our other business do, um, and that includes hiring full-time employees. Mm-hmm. So we then had a trip scheduled to Africa. 
which was a really amazing trip to see these tree planting projects we donated. Mm-hmm. So we got back from that and we were kind of – it was a really humbling experience. We just decided that we didn't need to grow like we were yeah. growing. So and we didn't need to say yes to everything just because we thought we kind of had to. Like I think we got back and we were like, okay, cool. Maybe we don't need everything we think we need and maybe we don't need to be as big just for the sake of being big as a business. So like what we kind of sat back and it was the first time since we had the business that we like had space to kind of evaluate where we want it to go, what we want to do, how we want it to benefit us as individuals as well. When you had that, that's beautiful. When you had that realisation that you don't need to say yes to everything, you know, you don't need to be, you don't need to build an empire. Did you find that your business went to another level? (laughs) <laughs> yes. yes. And then the empire started building. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but no, it no, did no, because it, did. it was flowing because we were kind of, ha- we were happier and we weren't doing everything like because we were like, you know, out of fear. We weren't saying yes because we thought it wasn't going to work. We were saying no because we're, it's okay yeah. if that bit doesn't work. So, so just to be clear, because one of you said it did go, it did go well. The other one said it didn't. It, it, it clearly, it sounds like the business, however you want to measure it, it was a better business for you both as a result <laughs> Of making 100%. that decision. No, no, we both agree, yeah. It yeah, went we better. definitely both agree. So yeah, it, I said, yeah. It's better for us and the business is actually going better. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it was amazing. So, so yeah. do you, because you've had triple-digit growth year on year, um, mm-hmm. does that concern you? Do you sometimes think, how do we put the brakes on? It's getting too big? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that's what we did last year. So when we made that decision of, okay, we don't need to keep growing because we actually, we don't want to have a a business that we can't maintain ourselves and we're only two individuals. So we actually, we did slow things down and we're like, okay, cool. Online can grow as much as we want because we have our warehouse that's all set up. We know the figures and we're like, okay, cool. We've already got 120 wholesale stores. Let's just cap that. We don't need to get bigger in Mm -hmm. in wholesale because that creates much more work for us. So it's like we're only allowing ourselves to grow in the sections that are simpler for the business. What a a great uh, relief. You know, so so many business owners just chasing growth. Go, 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 go. And uh, you guys have kind of... We got one really good bit of advice once, remember? So when we were... um, we, we met some friends. Well, we were staying in an Airbnb and it was the people who owned it, owned a um, little brand in Byron and they said that the one thing that they could they could tell us for all the business, um, for all the time, they everything they've learned in their business is don't get too big, like be small mm-hmm. and sustainable and don't, just don't get too big. But we, that wasn't, that was not a one-off too. Like we heard that more and more as we went along from other businesses and, and I think that's kind of what, Made gave us the confidence to actually make that decision and just be like, mm. "Yep, that's it." Hey, do you mind if so, I ask how old you guys are? Uh, Thirty-one. Okay. 30. So, so here comes a question from an old guy. Is that a millennial thing that you just talked about? Where I think maybe because maybe the maybe like we're thinking more about like our, our quality of life over like the business. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Like maybe the mindset's different. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. Can you make it? Yeah, what do you reckon? Yeah, what do you think? <laughs> oh, I, I think if I look at my generation of friends and colleagues and the business owners that I've spoke to, I'm 52 and I would say that growth, you know, you wouldn't hear the, what you just talked about earlier of, you know, not saying yes to everything and, and, you know, not being as big as possible is not a conversation that happens in my generation or at least not often. It's a conversation I hear more and more 
you know, in my kids' generation. My kids are like early 20s um, and they're much more interested in a quality of life, in sustainability, in managing the planet and and um, living uh, an authentic life. And they probably see their parents who've worked their rings off and don't want to be like that. Yeah, that's probably a really yeah. good point. I'd, I'd say I'd that's say you're spot, spot on. on. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, and I think a lot of people <laughs> like our age, like it's hard not to get sucked into the property market and all that sort of mm. pipe. Um, but we, I, I made the decision to sort of stay away from that a little bit in the in the sense that so I could do something like this. So there are some social pressure that you get from general society around that but mm-hmm. I decided to go down this path. And well we actually were like the money that we used to start with and bear could have been towards a house deposit Yes, because we used our own cash. <clears throat> so we thought this was a better investment. Yeah. So guys you start, you're in Byron, you've had your epiphanies, you've got yourself <laughs> sorted out, it's time to hit the road Jack. Don't you come back no more, no more, no more. Thank you very much. I was going to yeah. sing that, but that wouldn't have been good. Sounds so simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Like, please interrupt and say, hang on, Timbo, you're kind of kidding yourself there. There was a lot more. I mean, what, what, where, where were the complications before you hit the road or when you hit oh. the road for the second oh. time? Oh, my God. <laughs> so because we'd learnt so much from living in the van the first time, the first thing that we wanted to set up was like, okay, if we're going to live in the van, how do we, how do we actually work? How do we manage a team? How do we, like, live and have time off in the van and all this stuff? So one of the first things was setting up, um, like, making sure we had the right team members. So we've always been really big in outsourcing the things we can't do or the things that we're not great at because there's no point in us wasting our time. So we first made sure that we had, like, one dedicated team member who could also work remotely from wherever they are in the world for each aspect of the business that we wanted managed by someone else. Mm-hmm. So that was the first thing that we yeah, set so up. So we've got a wholesale manager in Byron. We've got a designer in Norway. Norway. We've got um, PR agent in, in LA. In LA, yeah. A web dev in Melbourne. Digital marketing in Melbourne. Supply chain in Palm Beach. And there we we, we set it up so every, every one of those staff members uh, are on contract and they can work from wherever. So the whole team is kind of living the ethos that we. Are living. A couple of questions around that team. That's fa- that's fascinating. So you've got a team all over the world. How have you found them? Like literally how have you gone Amazing. So Well, we, no, no, I mean logistically, how have you found them on, on, on a, on a oh. site like oh. Upwork? <laughs> 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 uh, um, uh. Most of them we've actually found through friends. Yeah. Uh, friends okay. of friends. Recommendations. Yeah, and they've slowly, slowly, like, so some of them have been with us a bit longer. Um, but, yeah, apart from the designer, the rest of them we've found through friends of friends, which is quite easy when we were in Byron because cool. there's such a huge network of people doing really similar stuff. Okay, so you've got them all over the world. Um, are they a team that talks to each other? Have you met each one of them? Um, some of them have, some of them haven't. Mm-hmm. Most of them have because a lot of them were started in Byron and then moved away. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. so you've got your team all over the world. What, what other hurdles um, did you have to conquer in order for van uh, life to be awesome? Well, I, we ended up restoring the van. Because we lived in the van previously, we, we had some upgrades we needed to do, we yeah. thought. So we wanted to make it feel amazing, like a space we wanted to be in instead of a tiny little van. So describe <laughs> it to us. Take us on a tour of the van. All right. So the front, we've got two front seats that also turn around to face the back when you want to turn it into a lounge room. Yeah, love Behind it. Behind the back seats, there's a bench that has a kitchen, so a little sink, 
a full functioning fridge. And then behind that, there's like little wardrobes that we can keep all of our food and our clothes in. Mm-hmm. And Alex has built me a section for all of my candles and crystals when I need to calm down oh, and meditate. Alex, you are a romantic. <laughs> Originally, we're like, you know what? We'll give ourselves a month. We'll just restore the van in a month and then we'll hit the road in January. We ended up hitting the road in May and <laughs> the van took six months. <laughs> Turns out you got to do way more <laughs> sanding than I thought. Right. To, re- to repaint the van okay. too. Tip number three. Don't, don't underestimate the sanding. Yeah. So, so okay, yeah. we're on the road. Everything's you, – you've overcome that. What's van life like these days for you? Yeah, it's – It's been great. It's amazing. We we find that, like, we just want to get away from everything and just by ourselves mostly. It's really interesting. Like, we just – we we find it really nice just to be remote and just sort of on our own. I think one of the reasons we like that so much is because – the decision that we made to to, say, to not say yes to everything and to kind of make decisions for our own life is easier to make when you're kind of not influenced by mm. as much. And when we're out in nature, it reminds us just to kind of be truer to our, our decisions. Nice. Yeah. Do you, um, so how do you actually run the business? So it's all very well to have a nice van and be cruising around. <laughs> yeah, Australia. that's a really good point. <laughs> yeah, it's still going, by the way. It's, it's, so we have, um, we use a program called Asana. Yeah. And um, so I'll set everyone's so all of our all of our staff members are on there and we set up tasks probably three to six months in advance like mark like what well, all everything that has to be done obviously those time frames change but just so everyone knows what's happening and then I'll jump in probably twice a week to talk to everyone to make sure they're cool um, and then probably once a week have a call with each staff member as well to make sure that everything's all good all the hats are warehouse now obviously somewhere central I think did you say Melbourne uh, Sydney. Sydney. Sydney? Yeah. So you're not carrying, you're not, you haven't got a trailer, you're not doing markets anymore, it's 100%. No, well, that was one big thing, actually. So we yeah. we decided that we can't do any events for the year that we're living in the van because uh, otherwise there's timelines and if the van breaks down, it's just going to add stress and we don't want to have to be in any capital cities for too long. So no events this year. Let's talk marketing. What's been the most effective marketing you guys have done to date? Storytelling through social media, mm. definitely. So, so what's that look a like? Lot, a lot of the, um, like what we spoke about earlier, was like a lot of the, I think the reason that our marketing works is because it's like, if it's not a story on what me and Alex are doing, it's a story on what maybe some of our ambassadors are doing and what they're doing in the hats. So it's it, it's kind of less about the hats and more about the lifestyle. So give us, a, give us an example, maybe the, the most popular post you did on Insta or Facebook uh, in regards to storytelling? The most popular posts are always the ones from from our van life when our van's broken down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> People love it when something goes wrong and you tell them. It's or so strange. Just very, like, personal Real stuff. stories. Yeah. Stuff. And, and we're talking, so just give me, paint a picture, Loz, like it's a photo underneath you've just told a bit of a story of where you are and what's going on. Yeah, so one of the, one of the, sto- one of the ones that did the best was actually – um, when we started the trip, we did a Instagram versus reality post and it was a really pretty picture of us in our van and the sunset and then next to it was a picture of our van with no canopy on our roof because <laughs> the wind had blown the canopy off and we had a convertible van and it was just telling the story of how, like, the photos that you see are so different to what happens in the background. Yes. That was one of our best posts. What do you think about that? I've looked at your social media. Um, it's beautiful. Um, I, uh, 
had a question around how do you how does a hat label get seventy thousand followers on Insta? But I can sort of get it because your pics are beautiful. But social media, you know, the nature of it, you do depict your best life, and you guys and you guys do that more than more than depicting your worst life. And I get that, but what's your view on all of that? So if you have a look at our Instagram stories, they probably depict our real life more. So we have we have quite a strict <laughs> policy with the curation of our Instagram feed because we're both love really good photography. Yep. Um, but we share a lot of our personal um, a lot of our personal stories and the brand's personal behind the scenes stuff through our stories. So we're kind of comfortable in having those two different platforms. Oh, that's that a great distinction. So you, so your stories are real. They're on yep. the move, they're, they're, they're authentic and then your Insta feed, is that the other, is that the terminology is yeah. where you're sharing yeah. the, um, what would you call it? The, it's not glitzy, it's just the more kind of manic- uh, manicured. Uh, I reckon the, the Instagram feed's more art to us. Yes. Yeah. yeah, like that's kind of like our art that we love. But like, so for instance, when our van broke down, we did like a three minute video of like us talking to our mechanic and what was going on and we put that up on our Instagram story and that got really good engagement and people were like, oh my God, do you need help? Do you need somewhere to stay? And it was really nice. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And it feel, it's kind of a, a nicer outlet for us. So it's more about the behind the scenes and it's a bit more, less. it's less curated and it's easier for us to communicate with our audience on that, on those different platforms. Like mm. being very curated on the front end of Instagram is actually a really difficult task, but being real and honest and a little less polished on the back end is a really nice outlet for us. So with the art, as you call it, that you you send out on your Insta feed, I mean, they're beautiful photographs. Clearly, you both are into photography. Is there a plan? Do you sort of, you you know, you're driving across the Nullarbor and and really plotting and planning what that next pic's going to look like and then is the setup like a proper shoot or...? No. 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 Nothing's, Nothing's real. So like an example would be the kids' shoot. Yeah, some of our best content is just trips that we organise with friends and family. Um, so we're, we're launching a new kids range coming out very soon, actually. Um, and we just did a trip from uh, in, through Victoria to SA mm-hmm. with Loz's niece and nephew. Um, and it was, what, 12, 10 days? 10 days. And so we plan out, instead of planning photo shoots, we try to plan like week-long trips with people so the content we get uh, is more authentic and we actually have had a good time getting it. Got it. And it turns out to be so much better than just planning a day photo shoot with models. Yeah, you, you, the, it's, we've tried both, to be honest. Like, and we, what we feel most comfortable with our, by putting out is the, the real authentic travel stuff. The stuff that we're we're on the trip with them, we're experiencing it, and it comes through in the in the models, or yeah. it comes through in the non-models, because they're having such a good time that they forget about the camera. So yeah. it's like it, it feels way more authentic than, than we can we could have ever, ever imagined. So you guys are smashing Instagram. What role Facebook and Pinterest? Facebook, no Facebook. We do we do use Facebook, and we do a lot of um, ads on Facebook as well, like digital mm-hmm. marketing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, look, like I think for us, largely Instagram was the first entry point for anyone. It's kind of where we feel comfortable. It's as where well. we feel comfortable, but really, what else is driving our growth is like online advertising as well. Yeah, like Google ads, Google ads. Yeah, you know, making sure our SEO is up to scratch. 
all that sort of stuff. So we invest heavily in our And we do a lot of um, email, marketing. email marketing as well. Tell me about that because I hear, you know, I hear business owners go, oh, email marketing, that's dead. We're all spammed. Our inboxes are full. What makes your email marketing uh, convert? So we try to do the storytelling through the email marketing. So there's a lot of content that we have on our blog that we maybe don't share everywhere else. So I think that's the, the, the difference between email marketing and what you see here is like, there's like more in-depth stories if you're interested in that. Okay. So it's so keeping it you, separate. You might find stories a little bit more in-depth about sustainability or a trip that, say, our ambassador Stefan has done like through Mongolia on horseback. And so if you really want to get a deep dive into sort of what we're about, that's probably the best spot. Yeah, back to Facebook and Pinterest. Uh, are they so more more paid advertising on those platforms yeah. versus um, uploading well, original is content? Pinterest we've never really nailed. We, we've got Pinterest set up and we use it a fair bit, but we don't actually see much. Yeah, we don't see a very good conversion, so we haven't spent a lot of time with Pinterest. Mm-hmm. It's more Facebook, Google and Instagram for us. Interesting. What about content marketing? Blogging, YouTube, anything like that? Well, well the plan is to start a YouTube yeah, channel yeah. with the – because we're going we're gonna to do a story about the working from the road. Um, but it's also, like we said, we didn't want to take on too much and we're just two little people. And <laughs> yeah, we yeah, just yeah. have to find time for it. Or we're thinking of maybe maybe hiring a videographer to help us with that. But YouTube is definitely something we want to we wanna do. Yeah. YouTube, I think, is one of the – I think for us would be one of the biggest platforms for us to invest in. I think it would go really well for us. Well, it's actually crazy. When we were on the road with my niece and nephew, they're so little and they, they use YouTube. Yeah. They yeah. use YouTube and it's and I think there's something in that that like a lot of the younger people. It's a little <laughs> bit scary but it's, it's probably just the way <laughs> it's going. No doubt. Loz, um, what, I'm going to ask you both, but Loz, what's the most favourite part? You're three years out of being a mortgage broker. What do you most love about running the business that you have these days? Um. I love the community the most. So when I started it, one of the reasons I wanted to start it was to be able to involve the people around me in something that makes kind of everyone's life better. And I love that now I get to go on trips with like my niece and nephew and my sister is one of our employees also. She's our customer service employee and she has more freedom because she works for us and she gets to be involved in it and that's definitely my favourite part. Alex? Um, I always wanted to sort of have a business that gives back and I think that we adding out the tree planting project um, that we haven't really touched on but yeah that was always been a big goal for me something that can contribute to greater society rather than just being a personal thing I think that's really important for businesses we haven't touched on it and what it is for, for one hat sold you plant 10 trees in Africa and I think up to so now you've got 10 hectares of trees planted in Africa. Is that right? Um, it's, um, up to now it is. I was going to check out. Well, there's the, the number of trees is 400,000 so trees. Awesome. Yeah. And is that uh, clearly for you, Alex, that's a feel-good thing. Is there a commercial reality to that? or you? Oh, you'd, yeah. I mean, I think it's the way – I think you touched on it before about the next generation yes. coming through. I think they're yeah. a bit more aware of this stuff. And they, yeah, yeah. They want to be able to give back as well. And, I, and it really is a platform for our customers as well. Um, like for them to know that that we're willing to put money up for these causes and that potentially buying a hat can contribute, I think that's really wonderful. That's awesome. And the programs that we donate to are, are, are 
largely environmental, but there's also humanitarian. That they, the, the tree plantations provide food for a lot of hungry people in Africa as well. So it's it's a really it's a really complex, interesting <laughs> ecosystem that's over there. And us visiting it last year was one of the most amazing experiences. Well, guys, I think it's a great story. Um, it's a business in the making. Three years in, I think we should talk three years down the track once you got your gearbox fixed and you're back on the road. <laughs> yeah. But uh, all Jeez, I can mate. it might be we'll three years until it's fixed. <laughs> That's right. Well, for Rao, all I can say is hats off to you. Oh, thank yeah, you. Thanks, mate. <laughs> well, there you go, team. Hat entrepreneurs Loz Williams and Alex Nor of willandbear.com. You envious about their lifestyle? I sort of am. I like the idea of slowing down. Or couldn't you think of anything worse? Maybe you like travelling a million miles an hour. Hey, by the way, they've kindly donated 10 $100 vouchers for me to give away on future Monster Prize draws, which is very generous. Now, here's what grabbed my attention from that chat with Loz and Alex. Attention grabber number one. I think it's just so refreshing to hear a business owner acknowledge that it's okay to slow things down. <sighs> to ask themselves, how much is enough? How big do we really want to be? <laughs> and how funny to hear that the minute they did this, they put the foot on the brake, things took off. Love that. Attention grabber number two. I like the way they're using their Instagram feed for the more polished visuals, or as they call it, art, and their Instagram stories for the real life stuff, like the chat with the mechanic after their van broke down. Which kind of raises the question, if I did that, what behind the scenes stuff would you like to see from this show? Tell me. Hit me up on Twitter. Keep it to 140 characters. At Timbo Reid, R-E-I-D. Let me know what you'd like to see. And attention grabber, Number three, I love the way they launched the business by sending their top 100 favourite photographers a hat each. No hard sell, just a genuine gesture in the hope that the photographers may respond with a hashtagged photo on their own feed. And guess what? They did. That's what grabbed my attention. Whatever grabbed yours, be sure to block out some time and implement it. So I'm excited to announce that a new podcast I'm hosting is just around the corner, launching later in July 2019. It's called The Idea Exchange, and in season one, you are going to meet 10 of Australia's most inspiring entrepreneurs, including, check this out for a list, Kiki K's Christina Carlson, show pose Jane Liu, and Booktopia's Tony Nash, who take us deep inside how they've built their burgeoning empires. In fact, for the last few months, I've been traveling around Australia, spending time with each of those guests inside their business. So face-to-face interviews inside their business allows me to get a feel for where they live, what they do, and I get to eyeball them as I'm chatting with them, which I always think makes for a better interview. We cover all aspects of their empires, including how they manage their business and financial operations, the growth strategies that work for them, how they attract and retain great talent and build world-class cultures within their business, as well as get their views on the all-important aspect of business, which is work-life balance, one which is often forgotten. 
The podcast is part of a bigger national concept, also called the Idea Exchange, which is supported by American Express. It's fronted by Shark Andrew Banks, and it's hosted by yours truly. And it includes live seminars and workshops across Australia in August and September each year, as well as up-to-the-minute articles helping you get control of all aspects of your business. How good's that? So the podcast is just one aspect of the overall idea exchange. I'm pretty excited about it. It'll be available where all good podcasts are found, iTunes, Stitcher, all the third-party podcast apps, SoundCloud. But for now, know that the idea exchange is just around the corner. Sit tight and I'll let you know the minute it's launched. Come on down. It's Timbo's Monster Prize Draw. Oh, yes, indeedly, doodly. It's time to reward uh, another motivated listener for taking some swift marketing action. And today's winner is... Shane Scrutton of Eaglemont Tennis Club in Victoria. And Shane says, hey, Timbo, I've picked up a lot of ideas from your show, but probably the most effective has been to write my website copy in a more conversational, relaxed language without all the jargon and hyperbole other tennis coaching websites gravitate towards. In other words, trying to use the same sort of tone and language that I would use if I was talking to someone about tennis. This has helped my website climb up the Google charts immensely. Thanks for your help. Cheers, Shane. Shane, that's a great lesson, mate. Why would we change our language when we're writing marketing copy? Just why don't we write like we speak to our clients and our prospects? You got it in one, Shane. And for doing that, for implementing it, for listening to my show, let me bribe you with, I mean, sorry, not bribe, um, let me reward you with a full range of Liars non-alcoholic spirits valued at over 500 bucks. You get a $50 Sendor voucher, $100 Trady Undies voucher, $50 Santa Able PJs voucher, $100 Suspended Cannings Butchers, $250 to use at promotional products, business good things, a MyDNA test kit, that's 99 bucks, an Orbit kit, 49 bucks, $75 voucher to use at the on-to-go sports merchandise business, a gift pack of novelty socks from Put a Sock on it for 18 bucks. You get promotion on this show. And a backlink in the show notes, hey? How's that? We might have to speed up the uh, way I read those prizes. They're getting longer and longer. Goodness me. Uh, well done to you, young tennis coach friend, Shane. Uh, well, he's not a friend because I don't really know, but you know what I'm saying. He's a listener of the show and therefore is a friend. Uh, you can be a friend too and you can win by simply sending me an email, tim at timreed.com.au. Tell me one idea you've implemented from listening to this show, what impact it's had on your business. If I read it out on air, you win. Well, that almost brings us to the end of episode 468. You'll find plenty more where this came from on the Podcast One Australia app, plus my entire archive of episodes and blog posts lives over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Next episode, I'm going to answer your marketing questions that you've been sending in these past few months. If you're getting some value from listening, please let other business owners know about the podcast, which is presented by me, Timbo Reed, and cleverly pulled together by the highly diligent team at Podcast One Australia. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. Now get out there and take action. <laughs> <laughs>